Welcome to Talking Shop, the podcast all about Adobe Photoshop. Brought to you by learningphotoshop.cc. Here's your host, Dave Cross. Well, hello and welcome to episode two of Talking Shop, the podcast all about Adobe Photoshop. My name's Dave Cross. In this episode, I'm going to talk about why you should work non-destructively in Photoshop. I am a huge fan and advocate of working non-destructively, mostly because, well, I'm lazy. But more importantly, I just found over the years it offers so many advantages to work non-destructively. Now, for some people, you might be wondering, what do I mean by that term? So what it really means is just finding ways in Photoshop to do things where you're not making any permanent change. So, for example, if you had a photo on a layer and you wanted part of it not to be there, you could either erase or delete it, which would be pretty permanent, or you could use a layer mask, which would be much more of a flexible way of doing things. And that's really what non-destructive working is all about, is being more flexible, finding ways to do things so you have the opportunity to edit, change your mind, experiment, etc. Now, there's other examples of working non-destructive we should talk about briefly, things like using adjustment layers rather than applying an adjustment directly to an image. Also, when you're doing any kind of work with retouching, like healing or the clone stamped or anything of that nature, you always have a couple of choices. You can either do it directly to a photograph or you could make a blank layer and apply the retouching to that separate layer. Now that's a little bit more of a question mark sometimes because honestly, if I had a photograph that had a couple of sensor dust marks on it, the chances are I wouldn't want to go back to the version with sensor dust. So, you know, there are, there will be times where it just it makes as much sense just to edit directly on the the actual photograph itself. But at the very least, I would suggest that we should be considering should I do this on a separate layer because there may be occasions where you want to be able to change your mind or again experiment. We'll talk about that more as we go. The other side of things is sometimes when you're retouching, you just want to lessen something. So if you've done that retouching on a separate layer, then you can lower the opacity of the layer to make that blemish or wrinkle or whatever it is look a little less obvious. So those are just a few examples of when we talk about working non-destructively. Another example we'll talk about as I go further is using smart filters rather than regular filters because of the inherent nature of smart filters that allow us to try all kinds of different things. Now, the second part of the discussion I want to have is why work non-destructively? And, and this comes up quite often when I'm talking to photographers. And every so often I had a discussion just recently with a photographer who said something to the effect of, I don't really worry too much about working non-destructively because I really, I'm doing the work for myself and I typically don't change my mind. So he was okay with, as he went along, merging layers and, and deleting pixels and things of that nature. And, and you know, fair enough. But the main thing I said to him is, if you're only thinking about working non-destructively from a standpoint of the ability to change your mind, then to me, you're missing an opportunity. Because there are other reasons for working non-destructively that I think are very important. And the first one is, I've got five different things I want to talk to you about why work non-destructively. And the first one is accuracy. One of the advantages of using these non-destructive methods is it can also help you to be more accurate. 
So for example, let's say you had a photograph where it had a, a red barn in it and the color of red wasn't quite what you wanted. So you wanted to tweak that color just a little bit, not make a huge difference, not change the color completely, but just make a slight difference. So you might add an adjustment layer like hue saturation and just change the hue very, very slightly. Well, now the problem is I want to, we want to mask that barn. So only the barn is being affected, but it's really hard to see what you're doing because when you've got such a subtle change with the adjustment layer, it's really hard to see what you're masking. So my thought is why not take advantage of the adjustable nature and editable nature of an adjustment layer by deliberately overdoing it. So for example, take that red barn and use the hue saturation adjustment layer and make it fluorescent green. So now as you're masking, it's really easy to see the edges and make sure you're making a very accurate mask. Once you're finished making that mask, then you take advantage of the adjustment layer to put it back the way it was and make that subtle little change. So that's just one example, but one I use all the time because I'll see people struggle. They make their small tweak with an adjustment, you know, make the red just a slightly different shade of red. And then they're like working painstakingly trying to create a mask the way they want. Whereas again, why not take advantage of the editable nature of adjustment layers by deliberately overdoing it and then putting it back the way it was or the way you want it to be. And I use that philosophy for lots of things. Again, when we talk about smart filters, it's the same thing. Smart filters give you the opportunity to overdo things and then pull them back as part of what we'll talk about as one of the other advantages of using uh, non-destructive methods we'll talk about in a second. So number two on my list of reasons to work non-destructively is from an efficiency standpoint. Now, part of that we just talked about, it's more efficient to use the method I just talked about with the adjustment layer, because not only is it helping with accuracy, but it's taking you less time, because instead of you spending all this time trying to paint a mask when it's hard to see what you're doing, taking advantage of that method also means you can work more quickly. So that's another part of it is, is the ability to work more efficiently in many situations, because many of these non-destructive methods like adjustment layers and others and smart filters and camera raw smart objects, all the different things we talk about in the world of working non-destructively, a lot of those also can help speed up your work as well. Number three on the list, and this is probably to me the biggest one, is creativity. Because one of the things that I find is that, that people run into a, a bit of a roadblock in Photoshop because by nature, Photoshop is a very linear program, meaning you do step one, two, three, four, five, and you can basically step backwards or undo five, four, three, two, one. It's very hard to jump around and say, I'm just going to remove this in the middle. So let me give you an example. Let's just say I had a photograph and I made a selection of a portion of that photograph and then applied a filter and then added another layer with some, another photograph on it and then applied curves to that layer. Once I did all that, then I looked at it and said, hmm, I don't really like the way that filter looks. Well, because of the way I did it, my only option would basically be to undo right to the point of where I made the selection and try a different setting on the filter. So all that extra work I did with the other layer and the applying curves would be lost because of the linear nature of Photoshop. And unfortunately, if 
you rely on the history panel, you would run into this all the time. So it's very difficult to experiment and be creative by saying, well, I'm just going to see what this filter looks like, knowing that if I don't like it, I can always change my mind. Well, you can't really do that by nature. So let's look at the same scenario, but this time doing it in a non-destructive way. So the difference would be before I made my selection, I would make sure that that photo was ready for smart filters. And you can do that either by going to the filter menu and choosing convert for smart filters, or just right clicking and choose convert to smart object. It's the same, same thing ultimately. Then I would make my selection. And now when I go to the filter menu and apply my filter, there's one very important difference. And that is when you look at the layers panel, right underneath that layer, you'll see the filter. It'll have an eyeball icon beside it, which means you can turn it on or off at any time. You can also double click on it to try different settings. And there's even an option to the far right called blending options where you can apply a blend mode or change the opacity of that filter. Then we still can add our separate layer, but now when we want to apply curves, if you do it as a curves adjustment layer, then it's the same thing we talked about before. Now you have options. So let's look at this for a second. So imagine for a moment that I've got this document in the layers panel. I see this smart object of my photo and underneath it is my smart filter. Above that is another layer with a photograph on it. And above that is my curves adjustment layer. So now I have complete flexibility of experimenting and trying different things creatively. Like now that I've applied curves, I can go back to the filter and turn it off by hitting that eyeball icon. Or I could double click on it and try either applying the filter in a stronger way or lessening it. Or, and these are all and ors by the way, I, I could paint on the mask. So if I decide that where I made my selection wasn't ideal, I can edit the application of that filter by editing the mask for the filter, just the same way as we'd edit a, a layer mask. And on top of that, then I have those blending options I mentioned before, where you can change the opacity and or blend mode of the filter. And I can still go back to curves and either turn the curves off or apply a different adjustment layer or make the curve stronger, all these different things. So to me, this opens up a world of possibilities. Before all these smart and non-destructive ways of working, there would be times where you would, and I, I know many of you are would, will relate to this, where you would open the filter dialog box, move a setting, and then kind of pause poised above the OK button because you knew once you clicked OK to that filter, you were pretty much committed. And to steal a, a line from my favorite instructor, Julianne Koss, she says she used layers because she's afraid of commitment. Well, th that's kind of the same thing here is that ability to not commit to anything, knowing that even an hour from now, I could say, well, now that I've done all this work, I wonder what it would look like if I turned that filter off or I made it a little stronger or whatever it might be. And to me, that just opens up a world of possibilities that we don't have if you're doing everything in a very committed, destructive way by saying, okay, I'm going to merge this. I'm going to click OK to this filter. I'm going to apply curves. And don't get me wrong, as I mentioned before, there will be times where you'll just look at something and say, I just need to apply curves really quickly. But I got to be honest, even in those situations, there's a little voice in my head that still says to me, hey, Dave, maybe you should still use an adjustment layer. For me, I almost always at least consider using an adjustment layer. Now, I'm going to continue the discussion of working non-destructively in a second. But first, 
It's time for the tip of the week. This week's tip is about using adjustment smart filters. In this episode, we talked a little bit about smart filters and their advantages, but here's another one. If you want to apply multiple adjustment layers to a photo, but they all have the same mask, you'd have to copy the mask multiple times. Then if you want to edit it, it becomes a bit of a problem. So instead, if you convert your photograph to a smart object and make a selection, then you can go to the image adjustment menu and use the quote unquote standard adjustments, but they show up as smart filters. So that way you can apply multiple adjustments. You'll see you'll end up with several smart filters that'll say, for example, curves and hue saturation and photo filter, whatever it might be, but they all share one mask. So this way it's much easier to edit a mask and affect all of your adjustments at the same time, thanks to adjustment smart filters. Now, as we continue the discussion of working non-destructively and why it can be so useful, I do want to touch on one topic because I know there are some people that are already wondering about this. Is there any disadvantage to doing everything with more layers and smart objects and adjustment layers? And yeah, there is. Your file size will get a little bit bigger. And if you're working on enormous files, then that's definitely a consideration. But on today's hardware, most people, I think, should be okay. Uh, and I, I always look at it this way. I'd rather have a larger file size that even might take a moment or two longer to open and save, but at the same time gives me all of these options to experiment and be more creative and, and be more accurate and be more efficient. So for me, number three, creativity is probably one of the most important reasons for being non-destructive or working in a non-destructive way is because of the creative options that it gives me to try all kinds of things. I have come up with some, some of my most favorite designs where as a direct result of me going, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm going to go down this path and try a bunch of steps and go, oh, well... That didn't really work the way I wanted, but now let me just go back to that filter and turn it off or mask it or do something and kind of go, oh, wait a minute, that looks much better. So those things would not have happened if I hadn't, seems weird to say this, but it's like you're structuring your document in a way that lets you be more flexible. So the, the structure leads to flexibility, which is a weird thing to say, but it's really true. So the the next reason for working non-destructively is repurposing. So if you have created a layered document, and let's say for the sake of argument, in that document that you had to make a very complicated selection of, I don't know, a maple leaf. And so now you have this maple leaf that's masked as part of your document. If at the end of all that work, you just said, okay, I'm done this project, and you flattened everything and saved it, you'd be throwing away one of the key components of working non-destructively, which includes saving as a layered file. So if you have saved that layer document, years later, or a week later, you could have a situation where you realize you need to have that same leaf used in a slightly different manner, but still masked. So if you had to start that process all over again, that would be a lot of work. I'd much rather repurpose it by going and opening that Photoshop document, taking that layer and dragging into my new document and adjusting accordingly with free transform, etc. But at least I know the masking is already done. So for me, repurposing, trying to reuse work I've already done, again, is another big advantage of working non-destructively. 
Number five on my list is reverse engineering, which sounds like a very fancy term, but maybe this has never happened to you, but it used to happen to me a long time ago before I started implementing these non-destructive methods is I'd get on a bit of a roll where I'd be experimenting and applying filters and doing all these things and I'd create a look that was great. I loved it just the way I wanted and I would save it as a JPEG and then I would come back a year later and go, oh, wow, that looks great. How on earth did I do that? Because at that time, it made perfect sense because I was on a roll of experimentation, but now trying to look at it and figure out how I did it, it'd be mostly guesswork because you can look at a photograph and say, well, it looks like there's a blur there, but how much was that blur? I don't know. I've had people ask me to look at a photograph and try and figure out how someone got the effect, and it's all guesswork because when you're looking at a finished JPEG, how would you even know what type of blur filter or how strong it was or how it was applied, things of that nature. So instead, saving a, a layer document with that structure we talked about a little while ago means, in effect, it's got a built-in history because I can look at a document I created years ago and go, oh yeah, okay, I used this filter with these settings because it's a smart filter, so I can double click on it and see what the settings were. I can clearly see, oh, there's a layer mask there. It looks like a gradient. And then, oh, the, uh, the blend mode was set to overlay at 50% uh, opacity. And I did an adjustment layer that was clipped to the layer below that. So by looking at the layers panel, it's giving me all the information I need to know to remind myself how I created that document. I talk to people quite often that talk about their use of the history panel and the history brush. And I always like to remind people that we need to remember one important thing about history in Photoshop is it's a very short-term history. It's really only the history while your document is open. As soon as you close and save the document, there's no more history, meaning the next time you open it, that history won't be there. So I don't want to rely, I mean, it's fine maybe at the time to look at what you're doing and say, yeah, this I can just use the history brush for now, but I'd much rather think of ways where applying a smart filter with a mask or whatever it might be, because that gives me an ongoing ability to change it. So in effect, it's a longer term history because the structure of that document, the layers panel is my history. It shows me how I did it. So I can, again, reverse engineer, I can repurpose, I can look at how I use my creativity to, to create the effect that I wanted from those layers. So hopefully that gives you some good ideas to understand the advantages of working non-destructively and why I think it's such a great idea to work non-destructively. And hopefully you can start implementing some of these strategies so you too can be more accurate, more efficient, increase your creativity, be able to repurpose and to reverse engineer. That's it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and tell your Photoshop using friends. I'm Dave Cross. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and tell your Photoshop using friends. This podcast is not authorized, endorsed, or sponsored by Adobe, publisher of Photoshop.